This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So I'm on the phone with Charlotte Walters, who's the owner of Shropshire Kombucha in the UK. So Charlotte lives in the countryside of Shropshire, and the phone reception you'll hear on this call is not necessarily going to be 100%, but stick with us because you'll find the story comes out loud and clear. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. Well, it's great to talk with you because I hope to meet you in person at the end of last month when I was back in England. I'm from Cheshire in a town called Nantwich, which has a wonderful market at the end of every month. I was there at the end of the month expecting to see Shropshire Kombucha, and that was a week uh, you couldn't make it. But I understand you you have been there since. You're, you pretty go pretty regularly to Nantwich, is that correct? That was the only one I've missed this year. So oh. <laughs> it was on floor. Oh, that was well. the one you came to. That was the only one that unfortunately I, I had to miss. Um, but other yeah. than that, I'm, I'm there all year round on the last Saturday of every month. Right. And you also, now you're based, for those people who don't know, maybe uh, in the States people wouldn't necessarily know where Shropshire is. It's, it's due west of Birmingham on the Welsh borders. Uh, Cheshire to the north, I guess, is, is so Nantwich in Cheshire is, is, and you're in Ludlow, is that correct? One of the smaller um, towns. No, I'm, I, I, I'm actually based in Shrewsbury. Oh, Shrewsbury, which is the county town, so that's the larger. That's correct, yes. Market. So I'm based um, here so. in Shrewsbury, but I trade on Ludlow Market every Friday. I have a permanent stall on Ludlow Market every Friday. Yeah, and, and my cousin, who I was on the canals with, uh, I left England, you know, many decades ago, but she told me Ludlow has a reputation as quite a kind of a, a gourmet ghetto or a, a food food center. Is that uh, true, that there's a, yes. a lot of, uh, what, uh, I, I guess, cheeses and other produce from um, from the county on sale at that market? You, you go there yes. every Friday. I do. So both both Shrewsbury and Ludlow are very much foodie towns. They're known for not only food but artisan food. So small local producers that are baking and making pies and chutneys and jams and products with their own bees and um, we, we have a fantastic foodie community. I think probably Shropshire generally, but certainly focus very much around Shrewsbury and, and Ludlow's always had a reputation for food. And so you've got Ludlow, Shrewsbury, Nantwich. Are, are there other markets that you uh, attend with your with Shropshire Kombucha? Um, I do Whitchurch Market, which is a smaller town. Um, so I'm there once a month. And I have customers in Ellesmere, so I do go up sort of once a month and deliver to Ellesmere. Um, I have right. done other markets in the past, but you know, I'm, there's only me working on my own, so I only do so much. I, I spend, you know, most of the week producing the kombucha, so I, I can't be here producing it and out selling it at the same time. So I'm a little bit limited to a couple of markets a week, and obviously there's no one there every Friday, and then other markets are sort of once a month markets. Right. So those markets are a great. Uh, sounds like one of your main 
uh, distribution methods. When, so let's rewind. When did you actually start? To, well, when did you start making any kombucha, and then when did you launch <laughs> your business? So my background is, uh, for many years, I was a professional actor. So like a lot of professional actors, I didn't get a lot of work. So to do promotions work and sales work, and I ended up running a recruitment company in Birmingham that specialised in promotions and temporary staffing to the beauty industry. And I did that for just over 10 years. And I loved it. It was hugely stressful. And it wasn't my company. I, I ran it and I cared about it and I loved it as if it was, but it wasn't. And after years I was just really burnt out and I wanted my own business and I wanted to do something for me so I set up a business importing and selling German chocolate tea cakes which was a product that I loved from the German Christmas market particularly the, the German market in Birmingham is huge every Christmas it's one in the country and my office was Birmingham. So I used to buy these gorgeous little chocolate tea cakes every year, and I loved them, and I thought, why is no one doing this throughout the year? So my initial business started in 2016 was importing and selling the tea cakes from Germany, uh, which I used to sell on the markets and at food festivals so to know the foodie scene quite well. But I always had this hankering for selling something that I made myself. And when COVID hit, it was... It became very difficult to import, and a lot of the food festivals got cancelled. But I still had my market store in Ludlow. Um, and I, I already brewed kombucha. I loved kombucha. I tried it years previously from someone that used to trade on the market that made really nice quality kombucha. And they stopped coming to the market. So I, I bought some bottles from the supermarket, and that just wasn't the same to me at all. So researched how to make it, bought a kit online, like people start, and I started brewing my own. So I'd been brewing a year, and it had got to the point I'd made my mistakes and I'd had my disasters, and I'd, I'd started to get it just about right, and friends and family would try it and say, oh, this, this, is, this is really good. So I, I, I needed something to sell on my market stall in Ludlow because I didn't want to lose my stall, but it was to import my chocolate tea cakes and I just had the idea why don't I have a go at selling my home brew and just see what people think and I just started taking a little kilder jar like a jar and just doing it by the glass didn't even know how to source bottles but it really took off and people really liked it and the feedback I was getting from people was, was fantastic and my regular uh, chocolate tea cake customers all started to come over to the kombucha and, and wanting the kombucha. So it, it grew from there and I sourced bottles and waterproof label paper and started designing and doing bottles and trying to add different flavours and it, it went one sort of small kilner jar to selling, you know, two or three hundred bottles a week. Um, and I've now got various markets and I'm in uh, what, four, three, three different, I've got three stockists, four stockists, sorry. Um, and I've just had a, an inquiry this week from a holiday let business that want to start offering it as their sort of welcome pack when people come to stay in the holiday let. So it, it's, it's really, 
it's grown from there. I am still very small. I brew at home. I still brew at home. I still brew in the same way I always used to. I just use bigger jars. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I make it all myself, I bottle it myself, I make my own labels, I stick the labels on by hand, I screw the tops on by hand. It, oh, it's still, okay. it, it, it's hard, it's still absolutely a home brew. Make it the way I yeah. make it, and the way um, So it's very hard work to do all that on your own in quite a labour-intensive way, uh, but I... I, I, I love what I do, and I want to make a product that I'm proud of, uh, I believe in, and I've got a really lovely group of loyal customers that buy every single week off me, and that will try all my different experiments of flavours and ideas, and are just so supportive. I, I have wonderful customers across all my markets, and they keep going. <laughs> when I've been up all night bottling and I've had two hours sleep, and you arrive at market, bleary-eyed. But they all come and say how much they enjoyed, how much of a difference it makes to them and how it makes them feel. And that's brilliant, and it, it keeps you going. Yeah, well, this is quite remarkable then, because it sounds like it, it literally grew very organically. Um, you had the, as I understand it then, you had the market stall that you were selling imported chocolate tea cakes and COVID restricted the import, so you've been making kombucha. You just started having like a, a giving people a glass at a time, and then you said two to three hundred bottles a week. So what year was that? Are we talking twenty twenty so or I, so? By now? Yes, yeah. I started to sell it in twenty twenty. So yes, but yeah. I, I was and, already and brewing it prior to that. You know, I'd been brewing for. A, I don't know, it's about a year or so I'd, I'd been brewing for myself. Um, but I, I started yeah. to sell it during, because during the first lockdown, everywhere, all the shops, shops had to But if you were a food and drink business, you, you could open. So you could still trade on the market only if you were food or drink, because that was considered an essential service. So even during lockdown, I was able to trade, and I had to trade out of If I wanted to keep my store, obviously I had to come and bring something to sell, and, and that's why I hit on the idea, well, I'll, I'll bring my homebrew and just see what happens. And as I say, the, the feedback was great, and it developed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I started well, to take customers' emails and, and developed a little mailing list, and that mailing list has now got, I don't know, about 100 people on it. And how many bottles a week? How many bottles a week or a month, approximately, are you are you selling now? I mean, anywhere between probably about 150 bottles up to about 300 a week. Okay, uh, that's great. So, um, when just just in terms of the uh, process when you went commercial, obviously I imagine the regulations changed maybe across England by county. But did you have to get health and health inspectors? Did you have to get a license? Um, what was the sort of logistics of launching commercially? So I already had a five-star food hygiene rate from Shropshire Council. I'd already been inspected because so I notified them and let them know that I was selling my kombucha as well, um, and they added that to my file. So I haven't been re-inspected, but I, I did brew in the room that they 
actually came and saw, um, they are aware of what I'm doing. So if they want to come and inspect, obviously they can. But, you know, I've let them know it's on my file. Right. And I see on your Instagram, and people should know, they can go to Instagram to Trotcha Kombucha. It's very straightforward. Um, I, I'm looking at photographs of, uh, let's see, this was from August. You had flavors, strawberry and mint, lemongrass, lime and ginger, green gauge, turmeric, ginger and lemon, and lavender lemon. Mm-hmm. You said you let people know which varieties or flavors you're going to have on offer. Do you have a huge um, kind of library of flavors, or are those some of the main ones, and just depends what you brewed that week? How many flavors? So I, 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 I really fresh each week, so probably a little bit different to how other people do it. I, I don't just have the same flavors that I do all the time. With the turmeric, lemon, and ginger. So the turmeric, lemon, and ginger is my best seller. It's my most popular, and I have customers that buy that every single week. So I always make that. But everything else, it changes every week. So there are flavors that I return to, but it's a new menu every week. And I don't keep coming up with the ideas, but some I manage it. But my, I suppose, point of difference is that I use real whole fruits in my kombucha. It's not fruit essence, not fruit flavor, puree, or fruit juice. It's actual real whole fruits. And where possible, I source them locally and I use seasonal. I can't always do that. I don't grow a lot in the winter here. But where I can, I will use things that are in season and that be grown locally. If I can't get something that's been grown locally, I will buy it from a local fruit and veg seller. So on a immediate level, I'm opposite veg store. It's a fantastic fruit and veg store. And the people that work on there are really knowledgeable as well and give you lots of help and advice about you know, what, what to get and what to use. And they yeah. supply by quite a few local farms, so they, they get a lot of local things on there, particularly in the summer. So my strawberries, I can get fantastic local strawberries that are going down the road in Shrikov, just outside there. I get the raspberries that come from there as well. I get lovely things like um, championing unusual fruit, things that people perhaps don't know about. So I love green gauges. I always make green gauge kombucha when they're in season. I make greenberry kombucha when it's in season. I love quince. So at the moment, there's lots and lots of quince around. I've been making lots of this, including, um, you know, with, with quince in there. Um, I I love uh, persimmons, uh, cranberry this week. I've done a cherry apple cranberry. Just brought the apples in for me. Customers bring me things from their garden. So they'll bring me produce that they've grown in their garden, which is apples and quinces, and I've had rhubarb and strawberries and all sorts of things that bought. You know, mm. a couple of them bought a massive bag of quince. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, the apples and, that I'm using at the moment... Of, sorry, I was going to ask him, what, what's, your, what's your teas that you use? Is it, is it green, black, a mixture of teas? I use what, green. I, I, I have in and white, but I've settled on green because I think not only is it a really nice flavour, and I love green tea, it's such a brilliant antioxidant. And there's so many people 
Oh, I love. I, I really want to drink green tea. I know it's really good for you, but I don't like the taste. And obviously, when you make kombucha with it, the taste pretty much goes down. So it's it's a really good way of people being able to have green tea, but without that bitter green tea taste. So I've settled on green, and and, and that's what I use. I use a mix of two different varieties of green tea. One which is quite a a strong green tea and the other one which is quite mild so I use a little bit of the two and that seems to, to hit the right the right nose yeah so this is all you you by yourself brewing going to the market uh, sometimes with two hours sleep what do you see in the future is there a, any plans to hire anybody to uh, expand from brewing at home or is this sustainable in other words Obviously, you've been doing it since 2020, uh, over four years now. You've, you're making a living at it. Is this kind of the, the size of business you're planning to continue with? Do you see other opportunities? How's the future look? I don't know. This is this is big bet at the moment. It, it's, it, I'm at a point where I could go bigger, but to go bigger will involve financial risk will probably involve borrowing money. And I'm 45, and I have a mortgage, and a husband, family. And I don't know whether I want to take that risk. I don't know whether taking that risk would mean having to do what costly, how I do it. You know, I buy expensive glass bottles. My fruit is not cheap. I'm buying really nice quality fruit. It's expensive. I'm buying fresh fruit every week. So I don't know. I don't know whether going bigger would affect the product. And I only want to make and sell a product that I love leaving. I don't know whether it would put too much pressure on, whether it's too much risk. At the same time, I can't grow any more doing it at home on my own. I mean, I, I have to educate him that the room has a fully wipeable floor. I have stainless steel tables. Don't get me wrong, I'm doing it properly. It's not a bedroom with a bed in it. You know, it's right. actually a proper, it's a proper brewing room with access to outside, so I can load and unload. And, you know, I'm doing it properly. I don't want to give the wrong impression. Um, but I could do with more space, absolutely. And I could do with a dedicated space that is away from the home. Because kombucha has taken over the house. There's always crates of bottles in the kitchen and you go to put something in the dishwasher and you can't because all the bottles are in there and things. So it would be nice to have a proper dedicated space and then to have some more equipment, you know, to, to make it easy to... I'm literally bottling with a, a measuring jug and a funnel and a pipe and a filter. So it takes a long, long time. I mean, I've been bottling this afternoon listening to your podcast. Um, no. So it would, be, <laughs> it would be lovely to be able to afford some equipment and an educated space. And I think if I had somebody working with me, there'd be opportunities to. There's certainly more uh, wholesale opportunities. I've got, you know, a couple of farm shops that I see, a couple of eco stores, which is fantastic. And I have a really good relationship with them. But there is opportunity to, to expand and to do a lot more on the wholesale side, um, 
possibly do more markets if I had somebody else that could go and do some markets for me so you can do two or three markets in the same day. I'd love to look at online tourists. Uh, to me, well, where will I be able to get it from when I go back home to Devon or to wherever? And I have no answer for that because I cannot find a way to post something fizzy in a glass bottle that needs to be refrigerated. I, I just can't find a, a cost-effective option for doing that. So at the moment, I don't sell online. I can't do any more deliveries than what I'm currently. You know, I, I struggle to... So I'm quite restricted. But to be clear, you, uh, you've got a profitable business. I mean, you're not doing it and losing money. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I do make a living. It's not a big living. It's not, you know, right. I haven't got a fancy car and we don't have fun holidays. But I, I, this is my full-time job and I, I'm able to make a living. I cover all my costs. I make some profit on top. So it, it's fine as it is. It could continue as it is. But realistically, yeah. I'd like to get a bit of my house back. So, <laughs> so having a, a unit or a premises of some sort would be really, really nice. Um, and I, I'd like to do perhaps less. So having someone working with me, um, somebody that could do markets or I get a weekend off, things like that, yes, that would be really nice. But if I have to keep yeah. going as I am, okay, I can keep going as I am, it's fine. But that's the thing is what do you do? Do you stay as you are, where your business grows, your overheads are low, you don't have any debts, you don't, you know, you haven't got pressures from investors or anything like that at all. You can make the product you want in the way you want it. You can set your own targets, you can size your own margins. And if you see some fabulous fruit that blows your margin, if you want to take it, if you want to do it, and you think that will make a nice cup feature, you could do it. You're not beholden to somebody yep. else saying, well, no, that's too expensive. You can't do that. So do, do you step well, that that... or do you try and go a bit bigger? And at the moment, I don't have the answer to that. No, I'm sure it'll kind of, you know, reveal itself as time goes on. Well, it's been wonderful hearing the story of Shropshire Kombucha. And it sounds like if anybody... Uh, is either listening to this in Shropshire or wants to visit the wonderful market towns of Whitchurch, where I was uh, last month on the canal and I walked into Whitchurch. It's a nice little town as well as I've never been to Ludlow. Um, it's been years since I was in Shrewsbury. But um, it's a wonderful corner of England, and um, it sounds like they'd find you at any of the local markets. So good luck in the future. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.